Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. If you'd like to stand and join us. Before the Lord our God, our Maker, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His past. And the sheep of his hand, just the sheep of his hand. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God. and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. I just have to take a moment to say something. As most of you, I'm sure, I love animals. Robert loves animals. And this little Joey on the front of, of our bulletin today says a whole sermon because, of course, the Joey grows inside the little, it's marsupial growing in the side, in the pocket of his mommy and staying there until he's able to come out and jump on his own. And I just think about us being the Joey in the pocket of God. <laughs> he just is growing us up, isn't he? Love this picture. Um, birthdays this month. We have Frank Martin's birthday, although Frank isn't here. Tom's birthday was last week was Tom, Tom's birthday. And Ron and um, uh, Sue have their anniversary this week, which is pretty fun. That's pretty fun. Last week. Last week. I'm sorry. So we're going to be celebrating those things today at the, at the table after, after service. Father, we praise and thank you for your great mercy. You are um, a God to rejoice in. And this morning in our Bible study, you gave us clear instructions 
to be joyful in you. And so, Lord, we do take our joy in you. It does not matter what is going on around us because you are the blessed controller of all things. And so we, we are joyful in the God of our salvation, in the God of creation, in the God of, um, of the beginning and the end. The beginning and the end are in your hand, and we trust you with those. So now we ask you to be in this service today. Be in our midst and speak to our hearts in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. You know, uh, I had gotten a call from my cousin about a week ago, and she let us know that one of my aunts, the last one on my dad's side, um, has cancer and will probably not see the, see it through the holidays. So the year before, um, a family friend had died and my one sister was so upset that my brother who knew about it didn't share it with the family. And so I thought, oh, I'll take this call so that the family knows that our aunt's in this situation. And she called me back um, like the next day. <clears throat> so this is a little bit of heaviness on my heart. She um, kind of took me back to over a year ago when my oldest brother had passed and she was saying, I was so upset with you. I was angry with you. And it's like, gosh, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware. Um, she took those two instances because at my brother's um, memorial service at the end, I broke down the tables. And as everybody was making their way out, well, I guess some of the people felt like I was shooing them out of spending time with the family, which was not my intent. But my sister is filled with bitterness. And when it, it's gonna tie into this at the end, so I just wanted to share what's kind of on my heart. Home in heaven. Two weeks ago I said, the citizen in heaven. Well, that's because we're citizens, we're gonna live and dwell in heaven. You yourselves had in heaven, a better and lasting possession, Hebrews 10:34. Paul once wrote, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If there is no life after death, no heaven, no promise of a better world, then life is empty, hopeless, without meaning or without purpose. But this life is not all. Ahead is heaven, and someday we shall always be with the Lord. Amen. Someday we will go to a home where all is happiness, joy, and peace. Amen. How barren our lives would be if we didn't have this hope. Amen. Knowing heaven is real will make a difference in the way we live. For one thing, we won't become attached to the things of this world. We will say with Paul, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. But heaven should also give us a burden for those who do not have this same hope. Every day we meet people who do not know Christ. What will you tell them? What will I tell them? The hope for today, each day we live with the reality of a heavenly home that awaits us. Problems and pleasures both pale in comparison. 
The secret to this contentment in this life is that there is a greater one to come. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Sing, shout, clap your hands, give praise unto your Maker. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sing, shout, clap your hands, give praise unto your Maker. For the Lord, He is Almighty God. Sing, shout, Clap your hands, give praise unto your Maker. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sing, shout, clap your hands, give praise unto your Maker. For the Lord, He is Almighty God. For the Lord, He is Almighty God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Oh uh-huh. 
Okay, I wanted to read out of um, 1 Peter 3 through 6. All honor to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is his boundless mercy that has given us the privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. Now we live in the hope of eternal life because Christ rose again from the dead. Hallelujah. And God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power will make sure that you get there safely to receive it because you are trusting him. It will be yours in that coming last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though the going is rough for a while down here. Well, that's a big comfort, encouragement. All right, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this beautiful day and for this opportunity to come before you to pray. We pray for the needs of this church, those listed and spoken about today on our prayer page, and for unspoken requests. We pray for your wisdom and forgiveness of our sins and our church, Desert Gardens. Father God, may your will be done in each of these circumstances. I thank you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Good morning. I'm going to read Psalm 8 this morning. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Lord, O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. It's been established that there are real paths in the sea. And this was spoken here. Our Father, Lord, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our debts, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power. And the glory. 
to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to eternal pur- whoops. according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with, with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If you'd like to stand and join us.
reading today is from Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are all going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. They must have had 24 hours, 7-Elevens or something. <laughs> but while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. If you'll join me in the responsive reading. In my journey with you, May I never lose my sense of direction, never lose sight of the landmark towards which I travel. And should cloud or rain obscure my vision, may I draw closer to you so that my feet may tread in your footsteps. Your words be my encouragement and your love my protection against the storms that assail me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, creator of all, you sure have shown us every time we, we as men, humans, think we're a little smarter and we send out something to, so that we can look deeper into space. We keep think, finding out that it's bigger, more grand, than we thought before, because we were so sure before, as far as we could see, was as big as it was. But it all belongs to you. You created it all. Yes. You share it with us. You encourage us. You've given us instructions 
on how to live, how to be pleasing to you, and what not to do. So Lord, one of the things you tell us to do is give back, to share of what you have given to us, of what you share with us. So Lord, we ask that the gifts that are given today, that they, they be blessed and that they be used wisely, Lord. Give the session the right instructions so that when as they just use some of these gifts, that they use them and you smile and we're happy with how, how they are done. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Slide one, please. If you were looking for this reference last week in Hebrews, you couldn't find it. <laughs> Isaiah thirty fifteen. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation and quietness and trust is your strength. The NIV is the only one that translates it uh, in repentance. Most other translations say, in returning to me, same thing. But it is the high truth. Before I commence with the sermon, I uh, want to make you aware that uh, the Goshen Ministries is hosting a uh, more or less an open house this afternoon at 3.30, 3.30 to 4. So if you'd like to know more or do a little hands-on, uh, that is today at 3.30 to 4 p.m. Let us pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time in which we live. Though it is troubled, it is fearsome, yet remind us, Lord, that uh, there are saints, prophets, and patriarchs that uh, would have given anything to live in this day, to be this near to your return. Strengthen us, encourage us, Lord, through your word. Give us a wonderful peace, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that only comes from you, that only comes from your word. Speak to us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know, my uh, son, my only son, and my oldest daughter visited this week. My son is an aeronautics geek. He loves planes, missiles, anything that flies, anything that's branded NASA. 
So we visited the uh, Titan II Missile Museum down in Green Valley. It was ominously fascinating. We learned that during the 1980s there was an incident that almost brought the uh, Soviet Union and the U.S. to war. The U.S. was testing a missile. They had given proper notice, but somehow the uh, Soviets thought it was a ruse and prepped for all-out nuclear war. The threat of mutually assured destruction requires what is called sanity checks. Fortunately, the Soviets observed their protocol for a sanity check. The fact that there's a name for such events tells us this happened before. But present day, ICBMs carry warheads that are 600 times more powerful than what we dropped on Hiroshima. And it seems nowadays every deranged megalomaniac dictator on the face of the earth either has nuclear weapons or access to them. Even North Korea has the capability to launch a low-tech EMP missile at us. And what would a electromagnetic pulse weapon do to us? It would short circuit a wide range of electronic equipment, particularly computers, satellites, radios, radar equipment, even traffic lights. And what does the Bible have to say about nuclear holocaust? Slide two, please. Isaiah 24:20 indicates there will be such a thing. From the Living Bible. The world staggers like a drunkard. It shakes like a tent in a storm. It falls and will not rise again, for the sins of the earth are very great. On that day, the Lord will punish the fallen angels in the heavens and the proud rulers of the nations on earth. They will be rounded up like prisoners and imprisoned in a dungeon until they are tried and condemned. Then the Lord of heaven's armies will mount his throne in Zion and rule gloriously in Jerusalem in the sight of all the elders of his people. Such glory there will be that all the brightness of the sun and the moon will seem to fade away. That which is coming upon the earth staggers our imagination. And what does the Lord have to say about all those presently warring against Israel? Slide three. You ladies have studied this. Obadiah, chapter 1, 15 through 18, from the New King James. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. This is being fulfilled in Gaza. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. 
Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. In other words, they will suffer total devastation. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. Who's the house of Esau? The entire Arab world. Israel shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain of the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. You have to understand how God sees time. You've seen scrolls, the uh, Hebrew scrolls of, say, Isaiah, and they, you can roll them out and they cover an entire room. That's how God sees time. It, time to him is an, a scroll that has been unrolled, and he sees it as a snapshot. We can't comprehend this kind of intelligence. But what exactly is the day of the Lord? Slide four, please. Revelation 6, 9 from the NLT. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal... I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. Now, if you recall, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take a, well, for lack of a better word, a bowl, a giant bowl of blood sacrifice. And what did he do with it? He poured it at the foot of the altar. I saw under the altar the souls of all who had been martyred for the word of God and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood? for what they have done to us. The day of the Lord will be the day of God's retribution for the persecution of his people. Retribution for all who have been martyred for their faith. From the beginning of time, to present day, and on into the future. Many believe the zenith of Christian persecution was under Nero. But by 325 A.D., two million Christians had been martyred. Diocletian <clears throat> killed 20,000 Christians in a single purge. <clears throat> and he had many purges. 45 million Christians were martyred in the 20th century. 
More Christians were martyred in the 20th century than all previous centuries combined. And since the turn of this new century, we're averaging 100,000 Christian martyrs a year. Since its very beginning, Christianity has been the most persecuted religion on this earth. For first century Christians, Nero was the Antichrist mentioned in the book of Revelation. They believed St. John's Revelation was written expressly for them. But St. John's Revelation was written for the entire kingdom age. It is more relevant for us today than any generation before us. Slide five, please. Here Jesus is speaking of the believer's eternity. And he says, Revelation 21, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. Slide six, please. St. Paul put it this way in Romans 8, 36 through 39. As it is written... For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yet in all things, we are more than conquerors. C.S. Lewis said, In light of the resurrection, what are we to make of Christ? There is no question of what we can make of him. It is entirely a question of what he intends to make of us. He intends to make us overcomers. He intends to make us more than conquerors. So what is our hope in a world filled with pandemonium? We know things are going to get worse. So what is our hope? Slide seven. Romans 8, 19 through 25. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. 
but with eager hope the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from this sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. And where do we get our hope, our patience, our confidence? Jesus. Slide eight, please. Revelation 3.20. This is Jesus speaking to the church, speaking to believers. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is offering to sit down to dinner with us. And what do you think that dinner conversation would be? I believe the first thing he would say is, let me teach you how to overcome. Let me teach you how to be more than a conqueror. And what are those things we most need to conquer and overcome? Complacency, legalism, and fear. So let's talk about fear. We know what will take place on this earth prior to Christ's return. In fact, we're presently living it. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 24? You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. This is exactly, exactly where we're at. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. We have all this right now and signs in the heaven and the earth. Solar flares are playing havoc with our telecommunications. The aurora borealis is turning red, where it's typically green and yellow, it's turning red because of too much nitrogen in the upper atmosphere. The oceans are turning red because the earth is warming, which is causing the coral reefs to die and an overgrowth of algae. What else did Jesus say? Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Where are these false prophets? They're behind the pulpits in our churches, specifically the apostate church. 
I've talked a lot about the apostate church lately, but I want to give you a definition that's easy to remember. Apostates are people who call themselves Christians who are religious but not repentant. Apostates are religious but not repentant. And remember what we learned last week. Repentance is salvation. During Robert Schuller in Crystal Cathedral's heyday in the 1980s, a young seminarian was challenged by his professors to write his master's thesis on this topic, this question. How is the present day church changing and why? Now this, mind you, this was the 80s. So the seminary student started by sending a letter to Robert Schuller and posed this question. Why don't you preach about sin and the dangers of hell? Much to the seminarian's surprise, Schuller actually answered his letter on very deluxe stationery. Guess what his answer was? He said, if I believed in sin and hell, I'd preach about it. The apostate church is any church which doesn't preach against sin and warn people about the judgment of hell. And if you ask like so many today, why would a loving God send people to hell? How can he be a loving God and send people to hell? To quote Max Licato, God never sent anyone to hell. He simply honors their wishes. Max is saying that anyone who ends up in hell made the choice to burn in eternal darkness rather than believe in a God who is love and light. C.S. Lewis said the gates of hell are locked from the inside. No one is in hell who did not consciously make the decision to go there by denying everything Jesus said. And no one has said more about hell than Jesus. But even so, he spoke of hell only 3% of all his teachings. He spoke of heaven 10% of all his teachings, which should tell us you don't get to heaven by fearing hell. You get to heaven by embracing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If the God who created all things, including heaven and hell, says if you don't repent, hell will be your eternal home, why would you not believe him? But back to apostasy. Let's look at what St. Paul has to say about apostasy and the rapture of the church. Slide 9. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus and how we will be gathered to meet him. Where will we be gathered to meet him? In the air. In the clouds. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Amillennialist. Amillennialist. Don't believe them. 
Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great falling away, a rebellion against God, and the man of lawlessness, Antichrist, is revealed. The one who brings destruction, he, Antichrist, will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. The long and the short of apostasy is a belief that does not save. The Gospel of John never uses the word miracle. Consider this. John never uses the word miracle, but in its place he uses the word signs. And when John used the word signs, it always pointed to something more important and something greater. John 2.23 Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. In John chapter 3, Jesus explains to Nicodemus the sign of a person's salvation. Slide 10, please. From the NLT, after dark one evening, Nicodemus came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are the evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. Born again of water and the Spirit. Jesus is referring here to John's baptism, baptism in water. This was something Nicodemus should have understood, but he didn't. Why? Because Nicodemus was stuck in legalism, trying to earn his way to heaven. Now, you've probably heard several different teachings on what born of water and the Spirit means, but I believe most people overthink this. Water here simply means water baptism. And remember, water baptism is a sacrament. If you were sprinkled when you were an infant, you've never been water baptized. Why? Because you didn't comprehend what was going on. And therefore, you have not fulfilled the sacrament. 
I've noticed the stunning difference in the lives and more particularly the faith of those believers who have not been water baptized. And by the way, you can be baptized more than once. If you were baptized very young, so young that you didn't fully understand what you were doing, do it again. Am I saying you won't be able to enter heaven unless you're water baptized? Absolutely not. The thief on the cross was not water baptized. However, the public profession of your faith, the public acknowledgement of your trust in Jesus in water baptism is a special blessing from on high. This is why water baptism is a sacrament. There's a special anointing which accompanies the observance of the sacrament. Apostate churches don't do this. Apostate churches don't baptize. If you don't teach against sin and Christ's blood atonement for sin, there's no need to be baptized. And apostate churches don't teach worship. What they call worship is not worship. They don't teach that worship is a lifestyle, 24-7, 365 lifestyle. Worship's not a one-hour ritual on Sunday mornings, slide 11. Romans 12, 1 through 3 from the message, this is worship. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering every day. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. This is worship. Apostate churches don't teach the holiness of the Sabbath. Slide 12. Isaiah 58. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and called the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord. Honorable. If you honor it, not going your own way, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. That's quite a promise. Compare this to Psalm 37, 4 and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. However, John Piper has said this. It is possible to pursue God without glorifying God. If we want to honor God, we must pursue him for the joy in fellowship with him. Piper's also said, and I've quoted this to you before, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. Piper continues, 
Consider the Sabbath as an illustration of this. The Lord rebukes his people for seeking their own pleasure on his holy day. But what does he mean? God means they are delighting in their own petty pursuits and not in the beauty of their God. But note that God does not rebuke their hedonism. He rebukes the weakness of it. They have settled for secular interests and in so doing honor those interests above the Lord. Anything you put before God is idolatry. Also note that calling the Sabbath a delight is parallel to calling the holy day of the Lord honorable. This simply means you honor what you delight in. You glorify in what you enjoy. The enjoyment and glorification of God are one. They are the same thing. His eternal purpose and our eternal pleasure unite. And how do we glorify and enjoy God at the same time? Slide 13. Isaiah 58. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those in need and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer and he will say, yes, here I am. He will quickly reply. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day. And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. Do you know that 63% of Americans identify as Christian? But only half believe in the God of the Bible. Of that 63% who identify as Christian, 70% have an ideology instead of biblical faith. They have Christ in their head, but not in their heart. These are unsaved Christians. Because even though they have mouthed a confession and even been baptized, they have not made Jesus Lord of their life. Slide 14. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On that judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. 
Get away from me, you who break God's laws. The most overlooked mission field in America is unsaved Christians. So what do we do? Matthew 5, 13 through 15 from the message. This is after, this is Jesus summing up his Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. We are a sent people. We have a commission. Our commission is to shine Christ's light. If we don't shine Christ's light, we are not his people at all. We are to shine the light of Christ on even those who call themselves Christians but are not. We live circumspectly and authentically so that we may impact everyone we meet, believer and non-believer alike. We are truly more than conquerors. The power of Jesus Christ has made us light bearers. We are people of influence. We are world changers through the power of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, do not let our hearts be smug and say to ourselves, I know the truth. I'm sure sorry for you. I wish you knew the truth, but I'm not going to waste my breath to encourage you or influence you. Convict our hearts, Lord, that because we have the light, because we have the truth, we have to share it. And Lord, often we think our outreach, our attempts at speaking your truth to people we know or don't know even. We think it's uh, so substandard. We think our ability at communicating your truth is so weak and so beleaguered that we just don't try. Encourage us to try, Lord. You said if we'll open our mouth, you will fill it. And that's really all you expect of us, is to open our mouth and let you speak through us. Encourage us, Lord, to do what you've called us to do and to share your truth with everyone we meet. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessings to you all.
As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You'd like to stand?
Go in peace.